You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. And now, The Rowan Radio News Team. Good morning and welcome to The Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Karina Colon with The Rowan Radio News Team. Some of this week's headlines include... Immigrant rights groups are upset with the handling of asylum seekers. The U.S. is concerned by Russia-China ties as Putin signals she visit. And a Temple University cop was shot and killed. Here's your national news recap for the week of February 19th. I'm Karina Cologne with your national news recap. Immigrant rights groups are slamming a White House plan that would limit the asylum process. She says everybody deserves a right to claim asylum, no matter if they qualify or not, and they feel betrayed by President Biden. Under the proposal, migrants would need to apply for asylum before they reach the southern border and make an appointment. Those that do not will be denied asylum. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg is calling for stricter freight rail regulations. While visiting the site of the toxic train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, Buttigieg says rail companies need to face higher fines and be required to practice higher standards of safety. He called on Congress to act to hold freight companies accountable for their safety record and urged rail operators to stop fighting federal agencies tooth and nail on the rules. He said too often the rail industry gets their way in Washington, noting the Trump administration rolled back both railway and environmental mandates. His comments were made a day after former President Trump visited the community. A preliminary report from the NTSB suggests the wreck was likely caused by a wheel-bearing failure. Buttigieg reassured residents federal agencies will be mitigating the disaster for the long term and promised to hold railway operator Norfolk Southern accountable. A Florida TV reporter is dead, shot, and killed while reporting at a homicide scene. 24-year-old Dylan Lyons with Spectrum News 13 was killed and a photographer is in critical condition after a gunman opened fire Wednesday afternoon at a crime scene just west of Orlando. Orange County Sheriff John Mina says a 19-year-old man has been arrested for the shooting and he has a troubled past. Mina says the car used by the news crew was unmarked and he's not completely sure if the suspect knew he was shooting at a news crew. The suspect has also been connected to two other shootings on the same day that left a woman and her 9-year-old daughter dead. The Defense Department's Special Operations Command launched an investigation this week following a report that the unit had an exposed server which was leaking sensitive emails online. Aaron Real reports. The governor of Texas is launching a crackdown on street racing using state troopers. This comes after several incidents in Austin where hundreds of people gathered for meetups, known as takeovers, on city roads. One cop was hurt over the weekend and two people are under arrest. In a statement, Governor Abbott took a shot at Austin's politics, blaming a push by some to defund police. It took officers 22 minutes to get to the first scene because there were no units in the area. Another special election needs to be held in central Virginia. Richmond area voters will return to the polls next month for another special election. This one will be to replace State Senator Jennifer McKelland. She was elected Tuesday to Congress, which means her seat representing the 9th Senate District is vacant. The special election was set Wednesday for March 28th, but before that, the Democrats will have a firehouse primary on Sunday. 
Former President Trump's lawyers are calling the Georgia special grand jury probe clown-like. The jury's forewoman spoke to multiple media outlets to offer some insight into the partially released grand jury report. She told the New York Times the list of people recommended is not a short one, but declined to name names. Trump's legal team said the remarks take away the reliability and integrity of the probe. After a six-year-old shot a teacher at Richneck Elementary School, Newport News schools are unveiling upgraded security plans. At a meeting this week, district officials revealed several ideas to help keep students safe on campus. Among them, there's a proposal to add security officers across every school in the district. In addition, they'll partner with police for an adopted officer lunch program and hire a director of safe schools. Plans also include buying a dozen metal detectors. Some of the initiatives have already begun, while others will be in place by the end of March. Georgia is marking the anniversary of the Ahmad Arbery shooting. It was three years ago on February 23rd. Trey Thomas reports. Authorities in South Alabama are investigating a mass shooting that left four people dead. Daphne Police Chief Brian Galsby says it happened Wednesday at a home in the Lake Forest subdivision of Baldwin County. Sheriff's deputies found the bodies of one victim inside the house and three others in the backyard. The suspected gunman was arrested a short time later in a wooded area behind the house. It is believed the shooter and all four victims were related. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly national news recap here on Rowan Radio. This is Connor Brown with your international news report. All sources coming from Reuters. The United States is concerned by greater alignment between China and Russia. The U.S. State Department said on Wednesday, after Russian President Vladimir Putin hailed new frontiers and ties with Beijing and signaled China's Xi Jinping would visit his country. Word of Xi's visit comes as Washington has said China is considering providing weapons for Russia's war in Ukraine, a move that could threaten to escalate the conflict into a confrontation between Russia and China on the one side and Ukraine and the U.S.-led NATO military alliance on the other. Putin welcomed China's top diplomat, Wang Yi, to the Kremlin on Wednesday, telling him bilateral trade was better than expected. It could soon reach $200 billion a year, up from $185 billion in 2022. We await a visit of the President of the People's Republic of China to Russia. We have agreed on this, Putin told Wang, referring to Xi. Everything is progressing, developing. We are reaching new frontiers, Putin said. U.S. State Department spokesperson Ned Price said Wang's visit to Russia on the eve of the war's one-year anniversary was further evidence of Beijing's alignment with Moscow. We are concerned because these two countries share a vision, Price told a press briefing. It is a vision of an era in which big countries could bully small countries. Borders could be redrawn by force. An era in which might could be right, he said. We have not yet seen the PRC provide Russia with lethal aid, but we don't believe they've taken it off the table either, Price added. Russia's TAS news agency cited Wang, who held a separate meeting with Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, as saying China could firmly adhere to an objective and impartial position and play a constructive role in the political settlement of the crisis in Ukraine. The Russian Foreign Ministry said it welcomed China taking a more active role in resolving the conflict and said it valued China's balanced approach. But in a separate statement, the ministry said Lavrov and Wang had not discussed a reported Chinese peace plan. For Putin, China's big power support amid the biggest confrontation with the West since the height of the Cold War allows him to cast Russia's isolation in the West as a tilt towards Asia. Wang told Putin that relations between the two countries had withstood a volatile international situation. The relationship between China and Russia, Wang said through an interpreter, was not directed against any third party, but equally would not succumb to pressure from third parties. A clear jab at the United States. Together, we support multipolarity and democratization in international relations, Wang told Putin. And for our second story of today, top EU bodies citing security banned TikTok on staff phones. EU industry chief Thierry Breton, who announced a ban by the European Commission, 
declined to say whether the commission had been subject to any incidents involving TikTok. An official also said on Thursday that the staff of the EU Council, which brings together representatives of the member states to set policy priorities, would also have to uninstall TikTok from their personal phones with access to EU Council services. Responding to the announcement, TikTok said it was disappointed and surprised that the commission had not reached out before instituting the ban. The U.S. Senate in December passed a bill to bar federal employees from using TikTok on government-owned devices. TikTok is banned in India. The EU Executive Commission said in a statement that the decision would apply to work and personal phones and devices. To increase its cybersecurity, the commission's corporate management board has decided to suspend the use of the TikTok application on its corporate devices and on personal devices enrolled in the commission mobile device service. It said in a statement, this measure aims to protect the commission against cybersecurity threats and actions which may be exploited for cyber attacks against the corporate environment of the commission, it added. A spokesperson for TikTok said it not been contacted directly by the commission, nor offered any explanation for its decision. We believe the suspension is misguided and based on fundamental misconceptions. We have contacted the commission to set the record straight and explain how we protect the data of the 125 million people across the EU who come to TikTok every month, the spokesperson said. And for our third and final story of today, Turkey has stepped up plans to house victims of the devastating earthquake which struck its border region with Syria, the interior minister said, as the combined death toll in the two countries crept towards 50,000. Suleyman Soylu said 313,000 tents had been erected with 100,000 container homes to be installed in the disaster zone, which stretches for hundreds of kilometers inland from the Turkish and Syrian Mediterranean coasts. The number of people killed in Turkey has risen to 43,556, Soylu said, while in Syria, the death toll was close to 6,000. The United Nations said that more than 4,500 people were killed in Syria's rebel-held northwest, and the Syrian government said 1,414 people died in the area under its control. Soylu said that more than 600,000 apartments and 150 50,000 commercial premises had suffered at least moderate damage. Our cities will be built in the right places. Our children will live in stronger cities. We know what kind of tests we are facing will come out of this stronger, he told state broadcaster TRT Haber. Soylu also said authorities were widening an investigation into Turkish building contractors suspected of violating safety standards and multiplying the scale of devastation. He said 564 suspects have been identified with 160 people formally arrested and many more still under investigation. And this was Connor Brown with your international news report. This is Victoria Baker with the local news. Temple University police officer Christopher Fitzgerald was shot and killed while on duty Saturday night. He had been patrolling in an area with a recent increase in robberies and carjackings. Authorities have charged a Buck County's 18-year-old with Fitzgerald's murder. Two teenagers were shot near Temple's campus hours before the vigil for Officer Fitzgerald. The 17-year-old and 13-year-old are being treated at the hospital in critical conditions. Police are still searching for the suspect's identification and urging locals with the surveillance video to contact the Philadelphia Police Shooting Investigation Unit. Chaos erupted at the terrorism trial of the man responsible for the deadly 2017 bike path terror attack in New York City. Saiful Osaipov's uncle was banned for the remainder of the trial after a dramatic vocal outburst and for slamming his fist on the door in a packed courtroom. The disturbance followed testimony from Saipov's dad, who sobbed on the stand while describing his son. Prosecutors must get all 12 jurors to agree on the death penalty in order for Saipov to be executed. 
The city of Patterson is suing six former police officers for half a million dollars. Over the past six years, all six of them have pleaded guilty or were convicted of misconduct or corruption and ended up losing their jobs. Mayor Andre Sea says they were still getting paid while on suspension and wants the city to be reimbursed. The city is asking for a jury trial so taxpayers can make a final decision. An Essex County man is charged with mail theft and bank fraud. Prosecutors say 21-year-old Baba Kit of East Orange and his co-conspirators would use U.S. postal arrow keys to steal mail from mailboxes, then alter checks and deposit them into bank accounts for withdrawal. The scheme stretched across Essex, Hudson, Middlesex, Somerset, and Union counties. The Nurses Union is pushing New York City to create a office of hospital accountability. If proved, the office could be tasked with tracking how hospitals are spending their money. New York State Nurse Associate Executive Director Pat Kane testifies at City Hall in support of the office, saying man hospitals try to reduce labor costs by understaffing and increasing revenue by cutting services. Nurses at two New York City hospitals went on strike earlier this year in part to fight for the improved staffing ratios that are enforced. Justice is served in the case in the missing woman from newborn who later turned up dead. Orange County prosecutors say 40-year-old Matthew Mercado previously pleaded guilty to manslaughter charges, admitting he was with Jessica Lopez at Windsor Motel and gave her a slew of drugs where she had a severe reaction. Investigators say Lopez could have survived if Mercado had gotten medical attention. Instead, he hid her body in a sheet and under the hotel bed. He also pleaded guilty to robbing an adjoining motel room and was sentenced to 16 to 19 years in prison. A family of three is dead in an early morning fire in Orange County. One neighbor said that fire broke out shortly after 1 a.m. in the home in Monroe and was so intense it took several fire departments to put out the blaze. When firefighters finally got inside the home, they discovered three victims. Investigators are on the scene combing through the charred rubble as they are trying to find out what started the fire. Prosecutors say Rebecca Crowen, also known as Rebecca Sugars of Burlington County, claimed she was a lawmaker and took $100,000 from unwitting employer. The Atlantic City Boat Show kicks off next week from March 1st through the 5th. Hundreds of boats and vessels will be on display for folks to browse and buy the Atlantic City Convention Center. There will also be several interactive experiences for all ages featuring activities like casting, paddleboarding, and testing one's boating skills. More information at acboatshow.com. That was your local news. I'm Victoria Baker. I'm Dante DiValerio with your Rowan News. How are the cells of an embryo programmed to develop in certain ways in the early stages of development? Can one individual's life experiences affect the next generation? These are among the questions Dr. Benjamin Carone, assistant professor in the Department of Biological and Biomedical Sciences at Rowan University's College of Science and Mathematics, is investigating. Carone said that his area of focus is understanding how cells are programmed for development processes early in embryo development. Carone had explained that all of a person's cells, from liver cells to eye cells, share the same DNA. To program the cells to develop into the intended parts, you need to turn the genes on and off inside the cells. Carone conducts his investigations in turning genes on and off through genetic modifications of stem cells in his lab and research involving rodent models at Cooper Medical School of Rhone University.
Little more than a decade ago, Rowan University could describe itself as a well-regarded state university with a nationally ranked engineering program and a proud history as a teacher's college. Today, Rowan is a dramatically different institution, an R2 public research university and a model for strategic change. Recognized as the nation's third fastest growing public research university, Rowan has been ranked on the Chronicle of Higher Education Growth list since 2018. Enrollment nearly doubled in the last decade, Ambitious growth plans to better serve the region have kept the institution focused on building high-quality degree programs designed to meet the needs of a fast-changing world. To get here, Rowan broke norms, operated like a business, and maintained a laser focus on controlling costs for both the university and its students. I'm Dante DiValerio. This has been your Rowan News. And that does it for the first half of the Rowan Report, wrapping up this week's national, international, and local news. We are going to take a quick break. Up next, we have your weekly sports, business, and entertainment news. Stay tuned right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Welcome back to the Rowan Report. I'm Karina Colon along with the Rowan Radio News Team. This is Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Starting in the NBA, let's take a look at the latest news from the buyout market. Two former league stars turned role players have found new homes, while a staple role player joins his hometown team after a 10-year NBA career. Beginning with the Cleveland Cavaliers, forward Kevin Love and the Cavs have agreed to a buyout after Love spent nine seasons in Cleveland. After his buyout was complete, the Miami Heat immediately emerged as the favorites to sign Love. However, Love wanted to speak with the Philadelphia 76ers before making a final decision. After it was all said and done, Love decided to go with his gut and sign with the Miami Heat for the remainder of the 2022-23 season. Miami currently sits at the number seven spot in the Eastern Conference, looking to overtake the Knicks or Nets in the six and five spots, respectively. From the East Coast to the West Coast, the Los Angeles Clippers have found their starting point guard, and they didn't have to look far. After being traded to the Utah Jazz from the LA Lakers, Russell Westbrook negotiated a buyout with the Jazz so he could join his former teammate, Paul George, in Los Angeles with the Clippers. This signing improves the depth at the point guard position greatly for the Clippers, as Terrence Mann or Bones Highland will no longer occupy the bulk of guard minutes. Westbrook joins the Clippers as they occupy the number four seed in the Western Conference at 33-28, and 28, just one and a half games back of the Sacramento Kings for the number three seed. And lastly, another former Laker guard is on the move as defensive specialist Patrick Beverly agreed to a buyout with the Orlando Magic. The Lakers originally sent Beverly and a second round pick to the Magic in exchange for former 2018 sixth overall pick Mo Bamba. Following his buyout with the Magic, Beverly agreed to a contract with his hometown team, the Chicago Bulls, for the remainder of the season. The Bulls sit at the number 11 spot in the East, seven games under 500 at 26 and 33. Sticking with the NBA, let's take a look at the big winners from NBA All-Star Weekend in Salt Lake City, Utah. Beginning with the three-point contest, 11-year NBA veteran Damian Lillard came home with the hardware after scoring 26 points in the first round as well as 26 points in the final round. On to the slam dunk contest, the Delaware Bluecoats' very own Mac McClung ran away with the trophy, earning a perfect score of 50 in three out of his four attempts. McClung became the first G League player and Philadelphia 76er to ever win the NBA dunk contest, not to mention he slammed every dunk home on his first attempt. 
Lastly, Team Giannis defeated Team LeBron in the NBA All-Star Game 184-175 to behind 55 points from Celtics forward Jason Tatum. Tatum's 55 points in the All-Star Game are good for the most points scored in a single All-Star Game in the history of the league. Switching from the NBA to the NFL, the Washington Commanders have signed former Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to occupy their offensive coordinator position. Bieniemy has been in talks to receive a head coaching position for the past four seasons now, but will remain an offensive coordinator for the time being. Once again, this has been Danny Ryan for the Rowan Report with your news from around the professional sports world. Megan Steckler with your Roan Report business update. Wall Street is closing with stocks mixed after the release of the minutes from the latest Federal Reserve meeting. The minutes showed inflation is well above the central bank's 2% target goal. It added the labor market is still tight and contributing to continuing upward pressures on prices and wages. At the closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 85 points to 33 to 45, the S&P 500 fell 6 points to 39 to 91, and the Nasdaq rose 15 points to 11 to 507. Ongoing interest rate hikes will likely be needed to bring down inflation. Lisa Taylor has more. That's what Federal Reserve officials indicated at their most recent meeting earlier this month. Minutes from the meeting show most officials agreed to a quarter percentage point increase, the smallest hike since March of last year. Some members wanted a half-point increase. While there are signs inflation is coming down, officials said their concern over inflation is high as it remains well over the 2% target. I'm Lisa Taylor. Some Wall Street analysts don't see 2023 being much better than the disaster that was 2022. Last year was the worst for three major indexes since the 2008 financial crisis. The Dow, S&P 500, and the Nasdaq have rallied during the first seven weeks of the year, but analysts don't expect that to last. Morgan Stanley's Michael Wilson said this week that the S&P 500 could lose more than one quarter of its value this year. Bank of America chief economist... Michael Hartnett predicted that stocks could get clobbered during the first half of the year with no immediate slowdown in growth, but continuing high inflation. Starbucks's CEO is doubling down on his opposition to workers trying to unionize. Howard Schultz told CNN union efforts are a sign of a much bigger problem for his workers, adding the unionization trend shows younger workers are having issues in the labor market. In an open letter to his employees in November, he said he was saddened that they feel the need for representatives to seek benefits for them, adding those are things all employees have at Starbucks. They're asking for set schedules and benefits for part-time workers. I'm Megan Steckler, and this has been your Business News Report. And now it's time for your weekly entertainment recap with me, Karina Cologne. The country world is mourning singer-songwriter Kyle Jacobs. The husband of Kelly Pickler died Friday in what police are investigating as an apparent suicide. The USO also honored Jacobs for going on seven holiday tours, saying he lifted the spirits of service members. Jacobs helped write hits such as More Than a Memory for Garth Brooks and Rumor by Lee Bryce. As a reminder, if you or anyone you love is in need of help, the National Suicide and Crisis Lifeline can be reached 24-7 by calling or texting 988. Sentencing was on Thursday for R. Kelly's federal case in Chicago. The R&B singer was found guilty in September on three counts of producing child pornography and three counts of enticing a minor to engage in sexual activity. Kelly faces up to 90 years in prison. He's already serving a 30-year federal prison sentence for racketeering conviction last year in New York. 
A key charge against actor Alec Baldwin in connection with the deadly shooting on the Rust film set in 2021 is being dropped. TMZ reports he is no longer charged with gun enhancement after his lawyers filed a motion to show the law used as basis for the charge didn't apply at the time of the shooting. Gun enhancement only factored in if a gun was brandished with the intent to do harm, which was not the case in the death of Helena Hutchins. With the charge dropped, Baldwin no longer faces a minimum of five years in prison. Should he be convicted of involuntary manslaughter, he could walk away with probation even though that charge carries a sentence of up to 18 months. The Oscars will have a crisis communications team this year after last year's incident when Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. The Academy CEO says a rapid response team will be on set during the March 12th awards ceremony. He told Time Magazine the organization realized it needs to be prepared for events that aren't planned during the ceremony. CNN anchor Don Lemon will return to the network's morning show following controversial remarks he recently made about women and aging. His remarks were directed at Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley. Lemon faced backlash shortly after claiming on the air that Haley isn't in her prime. The News Network's chairman announced Lemon agreed to participate in formal training and will appear Wednesday on CNN This Morning. Taylor Swift is being named IFBI's Global Recording Artist of the Year. It's the third time Swift has earned the award, making her the only artist ever to do so. The release of her 2022 album Midnight's helped repel her into the top spot and knock BTS into second place for the first time in two years. Drake came in third place with his fifth top three claim in the decade since the chart began. Bad Bunny and The Weeknd rounded out the top five. The new Harry Potter-based video game Hogwarts Legacy is a massive hit. The action role-playing game has surpassed 267 million hours played since it's released on February 10th. The company reportedly sees Hogwarts Legacy as a long-term franchise and sees a bright future for other platform launches. I'm Karina Cologne, and this has been your weekly entertainment recap here on Rowan Radio. And that wraps it up for this week's edition of the Rowan Report here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. From the Rowan Radio News Team, I'm Karina Cologne. Have a great day. You've been listening to The Rowan Report, a weekly news magazine that recaps local, national, and international news that affects you. Be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 9.30 for another edition of The Rowan Report, exclusively here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.